to life on earth. Welcome to life on earth. Well, hello, you good people. Welcome to life on earth. It's time to say grace. You know, today I'm replacing today's usual coffee with hot chocolate today. It is cocoa time, and I'll tell you why. It is December 1st. We have just made the transition from gratitude to goodwill, from thanksgiving to Christmas. This is going to be good. And so I've chosen today to talk about a concept that I know you all are finding super compelling at this time of the year. No, seriously. Grace. Simple elegance or refinement of movement. To do honor or credit to someone or something by one's presence. Courteous goodwill, characterized by charm, good taste, generosity of spirit, and the tasteful leisure of wealth and good breeding. An attractively polite manner of behaving, grace has several meanings and many different uses. And my intention today is to pin it down. Hmm to share my understanding of what is an important concept, one we all should grasp and use. If the concept grace has any value, and it does, objectivists should be the ones most able to understand it, appreciate it, and capitalize on it. There are many, many usages of the concept, and it's worth pointing out at the start, Ayn Rand used this concept a lot. If you have a copy of the Ayn Rand research CD, you can do a quick search for grace. It's all over the writing and in all of the various flavors. So real quick, a few examples from Ayn Rand. From the forward to anthem, Ayn Rand writing, those who want slavery should have the grace to name it by its proper name. They must face the full meaning of that which they are advocating or condoning, the full, exact, specific meaning of collectivism, of its logical implications and the principles upon which it is based, and of the ultimate consequences to which those principles will lead. They should have the grace to name it by its proper name. They must face it and then decide if this is what they want or not. Design Rand writing, April of 1946. Or from Atlas Shrugged, page 99. Dagny was only a figure hurrying in and out of the apartment, a slim figure in a leather jacket with a raised collar, a short skirt, and long showgirl legs. She walked, cutting across a room with a masculine straight line abruptness, but she had a peculiar grace of motion that was swift, tense, and oddly challengingly feminine. Again, from Atlas Shark, page 152, Lillian <laughs> seemed to fit the image he had not known he'd held, had not known he wished to find. He saw the grace, the pride, the purity, the rest was in himself. He did not know that he was looking at a reflection. <clears throat> Later on, Reardon speaking to <laughs> Paul Larkin. I might as well tell you, and I think you know it, that I am not good at games of that kind. I have neither the time nor the stomach to devise some form of blackmail in order to tie you up and own my minds through you. Ownership is a thing I don't share, and I don't wish to hold it by the grace of your cowardice by means of a constant struggle to outwit you to keep some kind of threat over your head. 
Okay, out of the fiction into the nonfiction from the new left and the essay, The Inexplicable Personal Alchemy. This is Ayn Rand writing. In the many years since I left that country, this is the first news story about Russia that got me. It made me feel the kind of personal identification and directly immediate personal pain that I have not felt about events in Russia for a long time. It is an odd feeling. It is a poignancy, wistfulness, helplessness, and above all, sadness, just pure, still sadness. The words in my mind when I read that story were, there but for the grace of the United States of America go I. From her essay, The Age of Envy. The intellectuals themselves are part victims, part killers. Who then are the killers? The small, frighteningly small minority who by the grace of default have monopolized the field of philosophy and by the grace of Immanuel Kant have dedicated it to the propagation of hatred of the good for being the good. Okay, finally, one more usage of grace by Ayn Rand from the left, old and new. She quotes Bertrand de Jovenal, Western man has not lived with his natural environment. He has merely conquered it. And Ayn Rand goes on. By the grace of Aristotle, of Galileo, of Pasteur, of Edison, and of a long, thin line of often martyred men stretching back through millennia, Western man has not lived with his natural environment in the sense intended by that quotation. So grace, <clears throat> sometimes elegance, class, style, sometimes poise, gracefulness, dexterity, refinement of movement, sometimes benevolence, courteousness, goodwill, sometimes forgiveness or sanction, sometimes virtue, sometimes goodness and kindness, but always mastery. Mastery of mind, body, mastery in interaction with people, interaction with reality. The most important common denominator of grace is mastery, self-mastery, interpersonal mastery, reality mastery. In a recent episode of the Ayn Rand Institute's New Ideal podcast, this was great. Link is in the show notes, facebook.com slash Robert Nason. Ben Baer presented the topic, Practicing Gratitude Evaluated. Now, this was interesting because throughout the month of Thanksgiving, throughout November, there have been gratitude practices. And we've talked about that before. Tal Tsefani, for example, has adopted the three good things into his happiness workshops. Gene Maroney does the same thing. But Ben Baer talks to Dr. Gina Gorlin about Practicing Gratitude Evaluated, a chat. And you should listen to that episode for a great conversation on gratitude. Gratitude as a fundamental relationship to values, to abundance, to ability, to virtue. But during the discussion, Gina Gorlin brought up something really extraordinary, something I should have come across by now. An email from Steve Jobs 
the late Steve Jobs, to himself, September 2nd, 2010. And this is what Steve Jobs wrote. I grow little of the food that I eat, and the little I do grow, well, I did not breed or perfect the seeds. I do not make any of my own clothing. I speak a language I did not invent or refine. I did not discover the mathematics that I use. I am protected by freedoms and laws I did not conceive of or legislate and do not enforce or adjudicate. I am moved by music. I did not create myself. When I needed medical attention, I was helpless to help myself survive. I did not invent the transistor, the microprocessor, object-oriented programming, or most of the technology I work with. I love and admire my species, living and dead, and am totally dependent on them for my life and well-being. End quote. Now, if you've never heard that before, at first glance, it might seem akin to Barack Obama saying, well, you didn't build that. But Jobs isn't asking anyone to feel obligated, to feel guilty. And he's certainly not asking anybody to be taxed more, to pay more of their fair share. Jobs is making a simple observation. He has had a lot to be grateful for. He has countless reasons to adopt an attitude of gratitude. Now, if Steve Jobs, who gave so much to the world, can appreciate that, so can we. I've always said we are surrounded by miracles, not least of which is ourselves. And you know what I mean by miracles, the products of great minds, great innovators, and the heroic businessmen and women who have brought it all to the world. And the division of labor and economies of scale and all of the work that is done each day, every day to bring the food and utilities and luxuries within reach of every one of us. Miracles. And to the extent that each of us is doing his or her own best, we are a part, large or small, but a part of that miracle. Steve Jobs is not self-abnegating. His ego, he's Steve Jobs, his ego is powerful, epic, and well-earned throughout his life, and he knows it. He is simply gracious. He had the right relationship to the facts. He doesn't deny his own greatness. He simply acknowledges that he is not alone in that regard. You know, as objectivists, there's a concept of humility, of self-abnegation, as the norm, as the ideal, the denial of self, the denial of one's own importance. And that concept is in the culture. Humility is a virtue, as a metaphysical virtue, and that is vicious. This must be fought, and there are no better weapons for fighting that kind of self-denial 
than the ideas of objectivism. But this does not mean that braggadociousness of denying one's limitations or actual shortcomings is the alternative. There are things that I am humble about, areas of life in which my talents are at a modest level, often because they're just not high priorities in my life. You know, I'm not a great dancer. My virtue is that I dance anyway. I'm not a great drummer. I do that anyway, too, although there are people, I'm sure, who don't count that as a virtue, if they have heard me. My abilities on a baseball diamond or a soccer pitch are almost non-existent, poor at best. Being humble about such matters is simply acknowledging reality. And in this regard, laughing at trivialities this is a way of affirming your own strength, your own confidence, your own self-esteem, and the unimportance of limitations or mistakes. Humility, metaphysical humility, is no virtue. But humbleness in the face of real limitations, making light of shortcomings, is acceptance of reality. Being realistic both about one's strengths and one's limitations is mastery. Clint Eastwood was right. A man's got to know his limitations. And being honest about both your strengths and your limitations, being honest about both is grace. You know, in the new Ideal podcast, Ben and Gina, they, they mentioned an instance of gratitude out of Atlas Shrugged. I'll just read it. It's real short. Francisco had produced a first aid kit and was removing Reardon's shin to bandage his wound. I wonder if that uh, is quoted funny. Anyway, Galt saw the thin red trickle running from Reardon's shoulder down his chest. Thank you, Hank, he said. Reardon smiled. I will repeat what you said when I thanked you on our first meeting. If you understand that I acted for my own sake, you know that no gratitude is required. I will repeat, said Galt, the answer you gave me. That is why I thank you. We live in a badly mixed culture. Sometimes heroes are hard to find. And all too often, we are willing to ignore ingraciousness in the name of finding someone who seems to project strength. Someone about whom we can say, well, he fights. And there's a lot that needs fighting. And at least he fights. So to jump to politics for just a moment, there, there was a recent politics post on the socials going around and a friend asked, well, if it comes down to it, who would you vote for for president in 2024, DeSantis or Trump? And my 
answer to that shudder-inducing hypothetical is real easy. DeSantis appears to have an actual moral compass, a conscience inside of him, and that makes his judgment far more reliable. He appears to be able to admit when he's wrong and is therefore able to correct course and do right. He appears to be able to say, oh, I'm sorry, and is therefore able to admit failures, learn and improve. If you are afraid to acknowledge when you are wrong, to ever admit a mistake, because people will use that against you, that is weakness. If you are afraid to apologize, because people will use that against you, that is weakness. And everybody can see that it is weakness. You know, real leaders don't merely project self-confidence. They are self-confident. Real leaders don't merely project self-esteem. They actually have self-esteem. In that regard, I would say DeSantis is a thousand times better than I would rate the former president. I don't agree with him about a lot, but at least on some level, he seems to be a decent human being, which is not something I can say about everybody on the political landscape, left or right. You know, Yaren Brook was asked on a recent episode of his podcast, The Yaren Brook Show, whether objectivists should be willing to apologize. His answer, of course, was, of course. And it sounds silly until you consider that some people think saying I'm sorry is weakness. From certain entertainers to certain former presidents. It should be obvious. The ability and willingness to apologize is a virtue. And it is power. The power of one who accepts and therefore remains a master of reality and the truth. And it is admirable. We admire those who have the self-confidence to acknowledge reality, to deal with reality, to master reality, above and beyond any petty, superficial concerns about, well, would this make me look bad? Earlier today on the Daily Objective, on this month's book, club episode. That was fun. If you haven't seen it yet, you need to watch that. Amy and I had the pleasure of sharing a few of our favorite books. And one of my favorite stories, which she presented, is Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, because it's a redemption story about a man who relearns not so much to be charitable, but to love his life, to embrace his values, to accept the benevolence and generosity of others, and therefore to reclaim his own passion, his own graciousness, his own self-mastery. In an episode of Five Minutes with Robert and Amy Naser, entitled Goodness Gracious, I mentioned what I regard as a very important principle of justice, and so I'll repeat it now. Sorry, I just caught the chat. My producer says, never apologize, stay toxic. <laughs> Oh, that's good. In that episode, I said this. 
And if you've never heard this before, it should raise your hackles or you'll just smile and you'll get it right away. Treat people. Treat people not as they deserve to be treated, but as you deserve to treat them. And this is important. Now, now it's often the same thing. And yes, it is an important principle of justice that you give people what they deserve. But you're also not the world's policeman. It is not your responsibility to go out and be cruel to every cruel person out there and spend your life being cruel. And it's not your job to go out there and reward every good person and give away everything you got just because somebody out there hasn't gotten everything they deserve. Justice includes, first and foremost, justice to yourself. A good man, a good woman, a gracious man or woman understands this, first and foremost. You can't say I love you without first saying the I. Well, ditto to justice. You cannot be just without first being just to yourself. This is your movie, your play, your life. Don't let the ne'er-do-wells write themselves into your script. Steal your spotlight. Make your movie their own. You know, often the most just thing that you do to bad guys is simply walk away from them and get on with living your own best, most benevolent, most gracious life. And that includes not focusing on evil, except to the very minimum extent necessary to fight it, but on embracing the good in places, in things, in experiences, but most especially the good in people. Gratitude is a fundamental relationship to values, to abundance, to ability, to virtue. Steve Jobs is right. Now, I am good. I am a producer. I deserve to be proud. But I am also surrounded by miracles. And so are you. So this month, this will be a recurring theme, and we're going to have fun with this. This month, I will practice grace, graciousness. Now, I've got a long way to go to reach my ideals of style and class and benevolence and generosity. But as I improve, and especially given that this is December 2022, the month in which we move from Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving's thankfulness, to Christmas's joyfulness, I will continue to practice goodwill and kindness. Anything less would be an unforgivable failure of selfishness. And in just that way, and for that reason, I wish each and every one of you, for your own sake, a graceful, gracious, grace-filled life on earth. <laughs>